The Beatles are a pretty nice band, and we've got a lot to say. The Beatles are a pretty nice band, talk about them day after day. But we also love the outfit a lot, so are these songs better than your love? The Beatles are a pretty nice band, someday we'll judge if they're fine, oh yeah, someday we'll judge if they're fine. I feel fine. <laughs> Sounds like a lie when I say that. <laughs> I, I totally believe you. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm fine. This Don't is a do riff that. <laughs> you can't do that. This is a riftastic single. Um, it just reminds yeah. me of in the mid 70s. When uh, John told David Bowie to just come up with a riff and sing over it, and that's how they ended up with fame. Great song. Oh, man. I think this song, in the context of the whole Beatles catalog, seems quaint, but it's kind of actually revolutionary, revolutionary for its time, I think. But I think it's something that we will get to as we chat more about this song not to bury the lead here Ooh, spoiler oh uh, stay tuned folks for i feel fine does he actually feel fine you have to stay tuned yes um i feel fine was a riff driven blues based number it was written by john possibly during the october 6 1964 recording session for eight days a week uh george said in anthology that the riff was inspired by a record called Watch Your Step by Bobby Parker. And in fact, it does sound a lot like Watch Your Step. Uh, but George explained, both all riffs in that tempo have a similar sound. Fair enough. I guess. He, we, they weren't sued. so Unlike other like, tracks that they were inspired by. I was going to say, and unlike uh, George uh, himself. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> We'll get that when we get to the uh, Cracker Box Palace and Out podcast. That's right. Oh, yes. Johnny uh, Johnny Boy, he wrote the guitar riff while they were recording eight days a week. He played it between takes. He later recalled that I told them I'd write a song specifically for the riff. So they said, yes, you go away and do that. <laughs> uh, um, he ended up uh, in the studio one morning and said to Ringo, I've written this song, but it's lousy. They tried it with the riff, sounded like an A-side, so they released it just like that. And then history was made. Um, Paul said the song itself was more John's than his. He said, uh, we sat down and co-wrote it with John's original idea. John sang it, I'm on harmonies, and the drumming is basically what we used to think of as what I'd say drumming. There was a style mm -hmm. of drumming on What I'd Say, which is a sort of Latin R&B that Ray Charles' drummer Milt Turner played on the original record, and we used to love it. One of the big clinching factors about Ringo as the drummer in the band was that he could play, he could really play that so well. Oh, interesting. So that was almost like his tryout. Huh. I believe so. Well, you know, everyone should check out What I Say by Ray Charles for, you know, many reasons. Yeah. One, it's an amazing song, and Ray Charles is incredible. Uh, parts one also, and two. Parts one and two. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. uh, but Paul is not fibbing where he's saying where they, they lifted that beat from. It's, you know, we've talked about in a lot of episodes here where, you know, <laughs> they, they're just inspired by, and, you know, a lot of times they're directly lifting stuff like this. I mean... 
I'm, I've talked about this. I'm a drummer. I've drummed on some bands and I've a hundred percent done the same thing <laughs> where it's like, you're just kind of doing a, doing a beat from a certain song at, at band practice. And then you just put it into a song. Like there's a song by a band I'm in where I totally just lifted um, the rat by the Walkman and put it Good into song. a song. Good and tune. Good. I, yeah. A great, great thing to steal from. And uh, you know, another thing I would do, and it's a little timely now because of when we're recording this, uh, the drummer of modest mouse, Jeremiah green recently passed away, but I would always try to just do the, the drum beat to truckers Atlas in every band practice, just to warm up. And the bass player would eventually start getting into it. But that's just what being in a band is like, I think, where you're just kind of, you know, you're playing things you're inspired by and somehow it just works into a song somehow. Hmm. So. So Paul's not lying. That's good to know. Yes. Um, John played acoustic Gibson on recording, although it was amplified to give the impression of an electric. George used an electric Gretsch Tennessean. The distinctive opening note was the result of a low A note plucked by Paul at the bass. Len's guitar pickups were directed towards his amplifier. It was one of the very first instances of feedback being used on a record. Mm -hmm. John said, that's me, including the electric guitar lick and the record with the first feedback anywhere. I defy anybody to find a record, unless it's some old blues record in 1922 that uses feedback that way. I mean, everybody played with feedback on stage. And the Jimi Hendrix stuff was going on long before. In fact, the punk stuff now is only what people were doing in the clubs. So I claim it for the Beatles, before Hendrix, before the Who, before anybody. The first feedback on any record. John said this in 1980. Um, mm. So John's actually now saying hashtag Beatles did it. I, I think you're right. <laughs> uh, the use of feedback violated Parlophone's strict recording policies, so the band downplayed downplayed the feedback as an accident. But in actual fact, it was present from the very first take. Whoops. You know, uh, yeah. I think that feedback bit is like my favorite part of the song. And I think it's a I mean, it's a song of two worlds, I think. Like you think feedback, you're thinking like really in, like in a really intense song, but then you get like yeah. this Latin field drum beat that Ringo's doing, and he never actually hits the snare drum. He's just doing like rim hits, like it's like a jazz beat, which is yeah. really funny for a song where you actually start the song with the first like screeching feedback on a record, as John claims. Pretty wild. He feels fine. He, you know, he feels fine about it. He feels fine. Paul may not be lying, but the whole band lied to Parlophone, and I love that. <laughs> Hey, yeah, lying is fun sometimes. Uh, the Beatles filmed two promotional clips for the song, which is known these days as a music video, for uh, the inclusion in Top of the Pops' roundup of the year's biggest hits. Directed by Joe McGrath, both films featured a band interacting with items of gym equipment. In the first, George sang into a punch ball while Ringo pedaled on an exercise bike. That's on YouTube, as is the second film when the Beatles just eat fish and chips the entire time, and <laughs> it's just an instrumental. Uh, the manager, Brian Epstein, was adamant this film could not be used. The controversial fish and chips footage was kept in a two-inch videotape box labeled, I Feel Fried. Amazing. Uh, but it did end up in the three-disc versions of the compilation titled One Plus, and it is on YouTube. 
the uploader added a bunch of flashes so they wouldn't get a copyright infringement. And apparently it worked. Um, I gotta say, I, I saw the Beach Boys live uh, for free in Coney Island. It was my first concert, I believe. I was wow. 12, 13, something like that. Nice. And I re- distinctly remember Mike Love. He started to play I Feel Fine and then said, whoops, wrong band. <sighs> yeah, people don't like Mike Love <laughs> these days. Um, nope. Oh, it was funny when I was 12. Yeah. And I kind of wish that they did just start playing the wrong band's music, but, you know, what? Beach Boys wasn't that bad of a substitute. You know, my uh, first concert, they they did a Beatles cover, too, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. What? <laughs> yeah, I thought my first concert was Billy Joel and Elton John together. Pretty wow. cool first concert. And uh, they did, I think they did I Saw Her Standing There. Okay. Now I'm going to have to double check that. Hold mm. on. Setlist.fm. Okay, here we go. I uh, so they they didn't Elton didn't do whatever gets you through tonight. Uh, he also didn't do uh, a little help for my friends. Oh. No, he did Lucy. From, did he do Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds? I, I think I, it was Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds as Elton John. Yes. Um, <laughs> right. I, I feel that's so. It's so ballsy to do a Beatles cover, you know, because it's like, oh yeah, here's a song from a much more popular band and here and or here's a song that's better than anything else you're gonna hear tonight i apologize i was wrong about the beatles song they did a hard day's night okay look at that unfortunately we just stopped talking about a hard day's night so i'm gonna edit all that out it's okay that's fine (laughs) love also covered great balls of fire Goodness Which is gracious! Problematic. <laughs> uh, yes, considering the artist, um, get your balls away from that young lady. Love count six. Nice. He feels fine, and he loves six times. Josie Love scale. Me six times. Sorry. Uh, uh, yeah, I used to be into the Doors in high school. Same. And and, <laughs> and then I grew up. And I'm like, I need a bass player in my favorite group. <laughs> Josie Scale. Um, this will be controversial, but it was a close one. But I'm going to give it a Josie. Oh, man. Do you feel fine about that? No. No? <laughs> I yeah. do not. Well, I'm going to disagree with you, and I'm going to give this a, a, yeah, I love this song. The feedback is wonderful. It's obviously very influential. Um, you might not have your love by the outfield without, I feel fine. I don't know. So I will give it a, yeah. <laughs> The Beatles are a pretty nice band, talk about them day after day. But we also love the outfield a lot, so are these songs better than your love? The Beatles are a pretty nice band, someday we'll judge if they're fine, oh yeah. 
and they will judge if they're fine. 